Dreaming of Sunshine by Silver Queen Chapter 79 Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Arthur Ashe Oh, Chicago, Mum said with a sigh. I braced myself for the scolding. I dragged my feet returning home because of it, ugly anticipation twisting in my gut. But there was no real way to avoid it forever. I'd just have to suck it up. Sit quietly and nod. Come and sit down, she said instead, patting the couch beside her. I patted over, feet silent against the tatami floor. At least Shikamaru was upstairs and not sitting there watching with his stupid smug face. I didn't need to know his opinion on this, too. You look miserable, my girl. Her hand brushed the bangs off of my face. It's been a tough few days, hasn't it? I blinked. That wasn't... that wasn't the script, she exhaled. I wish your father were here. He'd have all this sorted out before it even became a problem. But I'd be a poor mother if I relied on him for everything. What are you talking about? I asked, tilting my head in puzzlement. This wasn't what I had prepared for. I didn't know what to say. Tell me what's wrong, Mum said gently. I frowned. But... You know what's wrong. Of course she knew. Kofuku Oba would have explained. Heck, she'd probably been the one to receive the reprimand on my behalf, if it had been delivered to the clan. I know what happened, she corrected patiently. But I don't know what's wrong. I don't either, I said, voice suddenly very small. Why did someone else saying it make it so much easier to voice? I don't... I don't understand... Why am I in trouble this time? I've made bigger seals than that and no one cared. I'd spent years fluffing about with explosives for crying out loud. Sometimes around clan airs, and it never garnered anywhere near that kind of response. Parental supervision, yes, but we'd never been in trouble for it. Oh, sweetheart, Mum's eyes filled with understanding, and she wrapped an arm around my shoulders. You know, when I got married, there were a whole lot of things that I had to learn about how to live in a clan. And it wasn't even the big things that tripped me up, because I knew to watch for them. But there were some things that were so common that no one ever thought to warn me about because they were so obvious. It was their mindset, the way they'd grown up. And I hadn't. I leaned against her, listening, even if I couldn't quite see the comparison. You might have grown up in a clan, she continued, but you were trained for the field, not the hospital or research labs. I don't think they quite understand how different that is. You wouldn't throw a medical ninja in the field without more training, and they shouldn't have expected you to do the opposite. She sounded quite firm about that. I don't... I trailed off. Was there something there? Something that was so obvious that I didn't see it, staring at me right in front of my face. I was no stranger to having a perspective that was just a little too different to see all the right things. For you, and for me, a seal is a weapon, she said. You can use it in battle, or in training, or you can pass it to a friend. It can be dangerous, yes, but that's what weapons are. I nodded. The analogy was apt. It was so apt it wasn't even an analogy. Seals were jutsu and were weapons. It was how you used them that made them dangerous, absolutely. 
and a kunai could cut dinner as easily as an enemy, but it was a weapon all the same. But for medical ninja, that's not how they see it, Mom glanced at me. They see seals as more like medicine. I frowned. Everything in the hospital is controlled before it ever gets used on a patient, Mom said. I nodded. I knew that. I approved of that. Health standards and quality control and all that sort of thing. It wasn't quite like the system I was used to, since you still had things like the secret Nada medical encyclopedia and ingredients and medicines were still secret. But the clan was trusted. Entrusted? Enforced? With ensuring that the medicines and ingredients were used were up to standard, and did what they said they could do. It might not also have been strictly true, since medical ninja were a lot more likely to employ on-the-spot inventions and experimental drug treatments in response to extreme injuries. Well, that doesn't just apply to the medicine itself. Fuinjutsu is also very common at the hospital, as a tool for the medicman to use, so they're also very strict about the quality of the seals that they use. Oh, I said as I understood. If they considered it the equivalent of handing out untested drugs, then, yes, I could see why they made it a big deal. It wasn't the same, but... It was because I was at the hospital. And because you work for the research division, Mom added. Even if you weren't doing it directly for them, you're still affiliated with them and have to follow their rules. Which meant that if I hadn't been working for them, but had d done the same exact thing... Would it have been such an issue? Maybe. Maybe not. I slumped even further, feeling exhausted. Kofuku and I never exactly got along, Mum continued. And I knew that. Mum and Dad getting married had been a thing, capital T, and relations inside the clan hadn't exactly thawed out until Shikamaru and I were born. That was probably due more to Shikamaru than me. Everyone wanted a strong heir. But she is the best person to be running damage control on this, she said, smoothing a hand over my shoulder. It won't turn out too badly. I don't expect you'll get more than a warning for it. I heaved a sigh. It's just... troublesome, I complained. It was easy to forget, and I was guilty of this, that Mum nagged because she loved us and we were miserable at actually doing the shit she told us to do. Not because she got any particular joy in repeating the same thing over and over again. We'd have been worse off if we didn't have her constantly prodding us into action. It was probably a good thing that Mom had talked to me first, because when I headed to my room, I found Shikamaru sitting at the top of the stairs. I'd sensed him, but I'd rather thought he would leave before I got there. It was clear that he'd heard us, and that he'd had the same thought that I had. If I had not been in the research division, would I have been in trouble now? And who exactly was responsible for the fact that I was? He looked stricken. I was angry with him, and hurt that he'd tried to undermine me, and exasperated at the whole situation. But he was still my brother. He was still the boy that had fought a god for me and won. And I still loved him. I didn't want him hurt or upset. Not even when I was angry at him. Go to sleep, Shika, I said, sighing. They'll fix it. I'm sorry, he said. You're not really.
I contradicted quietly, because I knew that underneath the guilt he still thought he was right. Maybe, from his point of view, he was. You're sorry it went wrong. I stepped past him, bumping his shoulder gently. I'm tired. I really want to sleep. The hearing was set for the day after my mission officially ended, which was a mixed blessing. On one hand, I didn't have to quit my mission or be suspended, which was what I suspected should have happened if the situation had been a little less muddy. On the other, it was awful to have so much time to consider it, because there was nothing I could do to prepare or change the outcome of it. It just hung over my head like a very pale imitation of the Sword of Damocles. I spent the rest of the week intensely introducing Yakumo to the idea of normality, or whatever that was, trying to get her re-involved in the village and its people. We went shopping, to the onsen, went training, met up with friends. I wanted her to have things to fall back on when I wasn't constantly around. Also, it was better to have first meetings in a semi-controlled setting, just in case. Not that she'd had another... event, anyway. I wondered how many times she had had before they decided to seal her power away. Surely it couldn't have been that many. Yes, the one I knew about had been destructive, but since then, there had been a single one while we were in the middle of a fight and talking about her parents' death. You could hardly blame her for feeling a little threatened there. I yield, Yakumo said, gasping, as I pinned her to the training field ground. I pulled my forearm away from her throat. I had restricted myself to taijutsu, which was why I was in so close, in order to keep it a little fair. I hadn't forbidden her from using Genjutsu, but I'd made sure it was damn difficult for her to do so. Her paintings needed a fair bit of setup time, and I just hadn't given it to her. Apart from that, her Genjutsu were good, but not unbreakable, and I'd shaken them, even if it had been tricky at times. With layered illusions, or time-based ones, or ones that activated as I dispelled the last. She wasn't bad, but even holding back, I was better. How do you feel? I asked. She paused. A little disappointed, she confessed. I thought I would do better. But not worried, I said. Even when I pinned you down, there was nothing. I guess I knew you wouldn't hurt me, Yakumo said. Which was a dangerous mindset, really. Because she wouldn't believe anyone was trying to hurt her right up until they did which was going to be the least appropriate time to work out if she was going to transform into her alter ego or not. But there was very little I could do about that. I doubted she'd believe any of the other Konoha 12 were going to hurt her either, so I couldn't even ask them to spar with her. Or I could try and convince her that I was, but no. I'd have to go a long way to be convincing, and that would break all the trust that had built between us. I didn't think it was worth it. I sighed. Ready to go again? The problem with having one deadline looming over me was that it reminded me of the greater further-off deadlines that I had to deal with. I hadn't forgotten them precisely, but they were harder, vaguer goals with a nebulous time frame. I had tried, but there was very little in the way of results. Even linking Aoi to Hidden Rain was iffy. I had no idea if he knew anything worth knowing 
Earth Konoha would give the information the weight that it really had. What was this compared to that? I knew what I should have been focusing on, though I could only guess at how. It was just... It had been fun. It had been fun and interesting, and felt like it would be rewarding to get involved with research. I had gained access to information, that was true, and I knew that would come in helpful with my own ceiling, but... It had been fun, and now the idea of it filled me with dull dread rather than anticipation. I had been back to the research division, mostly to complete whatever forms my aunt wanted, and to actually hunt down some kind of goddamn rulebook so I didn't cross any lines again, but it had lost its shine. I would finish the project I was working on, because I'd said I would, but beyond that, I didn't know. All the little things that had threatened to spin off into side projects suddenly seemed less interesting, less important. I had the Book of Gello. That was a resource better than most of what I was getting from my clan. If I didn't continue to do research for them, I would still be able to progress in my own ceiling. Maybe a little limited in scope, but I would be fine. It was a thought I turned over again and again during that week. Anko-sensei, Yakumo greeted happily. You've returned. Please, come in. Anko stepped into the house followed closely by Eno. They were both still carrying packs strapped across their backs, having clearly come straight here. Eno looked... not happy, exactly, but confident. Settled. Welcome home, I murmured. How did it go? Eno smirked at me. That's classified, she teased. She flipped her ponytail over her shoulder. But you know, we made a new friend. Brought her home with us. Her name's Isaridi. She's at the hospital getting checked out by Tsunade-sama right now. Despite the teasing tone, she seemed to be serious. It was actually classified then? Had it evolved to be classified? Or, no. I didn't know what their mission had been in the first place, did I? Land of Sea. But what and why? Oh no, is she seriously hurt? I asked. She's not injured, Nino answered. She ran afoul of some people who were interested in blood limits. You know how it goes. Ino with her newfound knowledge of Orochimaru and his history. Ango with her own. A girl with blood limit experiments. Classified. It wasn't a totally secure conclusion. There were other possible explanations. But... I see, I said. That's terrible. I hope she gets better soon. Eno nodded. Yeah, she will, she shrugged. Well, Ongo said she was coming here, so I just wanted to swing by and let you know we were back all in one piece. I should go home, have a shower. I swear I've got road dust in my hair. I smiled. You'd never notice, I assured her. The hearing took place the next morning. Mum wrestled my hair into twin pigtail braids rather than its normal single braid and fished a formal shirt out of my closet for me to wear. I wasn't even allowed to wear my kunai pouch or leg holster. I looked all of about ten years old. It seemed that we weren't above taking advantage of my age and relative lack of experience in arguing our side of the case.
It wasn't particularly that looking young bothered me. It had been a long time since I looked the age I thought I was, and I had recently looked ten, or eight, or five. It was just that it frustrated me that we had to go through this rigmarole and illusion rather than simply presenting the facts and having the correct judgment made from that. It will have to do, Mum said critically, twitching a piece of hair so that it curled closer to my face. I gave her my best, wide, sad, bambi eyes and fiddled with the sleeves that were a fraction too long and covered my hands. She looked nothing but amused. Keep that up and we'll have no problem, she said dryly. Put your shoes on. Now remember, Kofuku is going to do most of the talking, but if they want your opinion, then I'm very sorry and I won't do it again, I said dutifully, even if I rolled my eyes. I sat and pulled my sandals on. Shikamaru had left for a mission with Choji and Kiba during the week, for which I was mostly thankful. Otherwise, I knew he would have insisted on coming with us. I didn't think we needed an audience. Kofuku Oba was waiting outside for us when we headed into town together. I felt increasingly awkward the further from home we went, dressed differently, hair done strangely, and on my way to an official meeting. I fiddled with my two long sleeves. We entered the tower, Kofuku leading the way and winding through the hallways until we reached a set of hallways signposted as a judiciary. It wasn't an area that I had been before. There was a receptionist to whom Kofuku submitted a set of papers and had a quick and quiet conversation, and a waiting room with a few stiff-backed chairs where Mum and I took a seat. Then, we waited. It was very boring. They could have at least supplied us with magazines. My hands twitched, curling in my sleeves. I hadn't actually brought any of my notebooks with me, so I couldn't even take one out to work on. I suspected that wouldn't have gone over well anyway, hence leaving them behind in the first place. Well, even if I couldn't write it down, I could still think. They couldn't stop me from doing that. Sometime later, Mum jostled my shoulder, shaking me out of my contemplation and back to my surroundings. Reluctantly, I slid to my feet and followed the two of them into one of the offices. Now, Chicago Nada, is it? The man behind the office desk asked, peering at me through his glasses. He looked about sixty, maybe, hair white with age and face-lined. There was no sense of hidden strength to him or power like there had been with the Hokage, though he seemed perfectly commanding in this room. Bambi eyes, I reminded myself. Yes, sir, I bowed. All right, take a seat. He waited as we did so. Now, the complaint was lodged by the hospital and is a charge of failing to abide by testing restrictions and endangering the health and safety of Konoha Shinobi. Kofuku Oba laid out the situation neatly and concisely, though she was very vague on the details of what I was actually working on for the clan. They debated a little over the differences between Shinobi testing a seal and testing a seal on Shinobi, and went over the documents that we provided to prove that the seal really was harmless. I see he said afterwards. I believe I have a full understanding of the situation now. Is there anything else you would like to add? I tucked my hands flat beneath my thighs and waited. This was it. Despite the seriousness of the initial accusation, he said, taking off his glasses and rubbing his eyes, 
I believe this was not an incident caused by malice or willful disregard of our laws. However, negligence is still dangerous, especially when we consider the ways in which this situation could have gone. In that light, I am reducing this reprimand to a warning, though it will still be noted on your permanent record. In the next six months, I expect to see evidence that you acknowledge and understand the rules and regulations involving seal use and research testing in Konoha, and the reasons behind them. I charge the Nara clan with seeing this is carried out. I nodded solemnly, though it didn't seem so bad. Actually, that sounded like I was getting off really lightly. I'd have to what? Fill out a questionnaire? Write an essay, maybe. I'd already looked up the damn rules. I'm also going to levy a fine to be paid to the village in the next quarter, he finished, stamping the scroll and signing it. He handed it to Mom, and the three of us stood and bowed. Kofuku Oba sighed as we left the tower. I thought we'd get away without the fine, she said regretfully, but it wasn't too bad overall. I peeked at the scroll Mom was holding. It was, well, it wasn't a small amount. It would probably have taken Evgenin a good few months to try and pay that off, especially if they'd had other things to drain mission pay away. But it was less than I'd been paid for my last big mission. My last big mission had been an S rank. If it came out of my pay, I wasn't really going to suffer much. Mom rested her hand on my shoulder and tucked the scroll away. You let me worry about that, she said. Why don't we get something to eat? She nodded goodbye to Kofuku Oba, and we found a nice little cafe to sit and drink tea at. She even ordered me a plate of sweets without admonishing that they ruined my teeth, weren't healthy, or that it was nearly lunchtime. That definitely indicated she was worried, but since the hearing was over, I wasn't sure about what. I drank my tea quietly. Hey, hey! It's Shikako's mom! Naruto's voice broke the silence, yelling cheerfully across the street. Hi! He dragged Sasuke along behind him, weaving through the people on the road like they were an obstacle course and he was being timed. Hey, have you seen- No way! Shikako, you look different! I propped my elbow on the table and rested my chin in my palm. Really? I asked dryly. Naruto squinched his eyes at me. I couldn't tell if he was trying to glare or smile. Maybe both. We were totally looking for you, he said accusingly. It's team training! How could you miss it? I considered, then affected a very familiar draw. Nah, well, I had a very important meeting, and when that was over, I had to recover my spirit through the quick application of Wagashi. No! Naruto hollered, sounding absolutely horrified. You can't become sensei! He was so melodramatic, I let my lips curl into a smirk. Sasuke rolled his eyes. You didn't have training plans, idiot, he said, and elbowed Naruto in the side. She didn't know. But you know now, Naruto said, apparently recovering quickly from his shock. So let's go! I smiled at Mom. It sounds like I have no choice, I said, slipping from my seat. Can I go? She smiled back, lifting her cup. Have fun! So, what's with the... Sasuke said, after we'd finished fighting, waving a vague hand in my direction. 
I pulled a kunai out of a tree trunk and examined it to try and decide which one of the boys it belonged to. I'd had to liberate a few from them at the start of the fight on account of not having my own with me, but there were enough items in the training field that could be impromptu weapons in a pinch. Being creative had been... fun. I shrugged. I had a meeting, I said, touching the pigtails a little self-consciously. I threw the kunai into the dirt near Naruto and started to rebraid them properly. Yeah, Sasuke prompted, frowning at his new Fuma Shuriken. His last one had been destroyed with Geno's traps, but this one's opening mechanism seemed to stick. It was possible there was some grit in it, or that the plates weren't quite formed properly. He'd have to sort it out before he took it into the field, or that could cause problems at the worst moment. I thought about putting them off, calling it clan stuff for just outright deflecting, but that wasn't fair. They'd ask. They were my team. I gave them a short summary of what had happened. What? Naruto exclaimed, outraged. He bounced to his feet. That's not fair. I'll tell him that you didn't mean to hurt anyone. I waved him off. It's fine, I said. Everything's sorted now. It doesn't matter. You didn't say anything before, Sasuke said, still frowning at his weapon. To be honest, I said, I didn't want to talk about it. There was nothing that either of us could do to fix it, and it just made me upset to think about it. It still did, a little. I didn't like admitting that I'd made mistakes. I'd rather the whole thing was dropped in a deep hole and forgotten about, actually. Don't be upset, Naruto said, switching from indignant to concerned. He patted me awkwardly on the shoulder and threw a slightly desperate look at Sasuke. I sighed and threw an arm around his shoulder to pull him into a hug. Thank you, but you don't have to worry. Just forget about it, okay? Sasuke was watching out of the corner of his eye, even if he pretended his attention was focused on the shuriken. He snapped it shut. In that case, round two? I grinned. Prepare to go down. I'm assigning you a B-rank mission, Tsunade said, after summoning Naruto and I to her office. You'll be apprehending this man, Gosun Kugi, also known as the Nail. He recently stole an artifact of some value from the land of T's court. They're eager to get it back. No problem, Naruto said confidently. It'll be just like that time with that weird teddy bear statue. Tsunade looked like she was trying to cover a smile. Quite, she agreed. It's unlikely that the item is still in his possession at this point. Most likely, it's been sold on the black market. If that is the case, we'll have to question him until we can begin to track it down again. She picked up the mission scroll on her desk and threw it to Naruto. He's been keeping his head low, but we got word that he's been spotted in the Land of Stone. I want you to head there and track him down. I hesitated. Just the two of us, Tsunade-sama? No, your third teammate will be here soon, she said. I wondered who it would be. Apart from the team that returned with Naruto, Hinata was the only other rookie still in Konoha. She would have been a good choice for a mission like this, too. It was more to her skill than ours, but either Shino or Ino would have been a handy addition in different ways. Turned out, even I could be completely blindsided. Hello said the boy who stepped into the office. 
It's nice to meet you, he smiled. I turned to look at Tsunade. Eh? Naruto asked, puzzled. Who are you? He's an experienced Chunin who's been assigned to your team for this mission, Tsunade introduced. This is Sai. She had to know. She had to. There was no way she didn't know who he was, who he worked for. Not if she was assigning him to Naruto's team. Sure, it was Sasuke that had so far been targeted, but thinking that Tsunade wouldn't be equally careful with Naruto was missing the point. Which begged the question of why. Why put him here? What was she hoping to accomplish? And what was Danzo hoping to accomplish? Sai, in the story, had always been a double agent. He'd... what? been supposed to go after Sasuke, or deal with Orochimaru. But that wasn't the case here, and now, it couldn't be. So what was his goal? Damn it. There was not a single expression that gave away anything on the Hokage's face. I might as well have been staring at the carved mountainside for all the good it was doing. Shikako Nada, pleased to meet you, I echoed, bowing to Sai and pasting on an equally bland smile. I hope we can work well together. Yeah, yeah, Naruto said and jabbed his thumb towards himself. I'm Naruto Uzumaki, Konoha's number one most unpredictable ninja, he grinned. I hope you're good. You're gonna need to be to keep up with us. I am, Sai said, completely without any bravado. Naruto faltered at that just a little. He was used to people self-promoting or being intimidating, but actual confidence was something different. But his smile came back full force in under a second. Great! Let's go then! Tsunade-sama, I said lowly. Since Sai has yet to be briefed, I assume that Naruto is the team leader for this mission? She'd introduced Sai as a more experienced as, after all, which tended to indicate that he would be the one. I just... well... I didn't trust him as far as I could throw him as the saying went. I didn't want him in charge. I didn't want him arguing that he should be in charge. And I really didn't want Naruto to fall into the habit of listening to him like he was in charge. That's right, Tsunade agreed. Naruto could use a little more experience as a team leader. Though I'm sure Sai will be willing to offer advice and guidance should the need arise. I bowed to her, thankful that that was one hurdle down. Now I just had to find the rest of the hurdles before I could clear them. Why are you here, Sai? He wasn't supposed to show up for years. That meant that something was different, somewhere along the lines. I didn't expect that nothing would have changed after all this time. But, well, he could still have been after Sasuke in an oblique fashion, trying to get at him through us. But that felt like it was reaching a little. There were easier ways. How long have you been a tuning, Sai? I asked politely as we headed towards the gates. You didn't take part in the last tuning exams. It was both an attempt to break the ice with small talk and to fish for information. I wasn't sure if anything that Sai would tell me was true, but, well, there had to be something. Two years, Sai responded, and didn't elaborate further. To be fair, it answered the question directly. It just didn't respond to the social cue to talk. I couldn't tell if that was deliberate or not. 
My knowledge of Sai had him being generally offensive and insulting with an added smile. It could have been pure social incompetence, but there had to be a factor of deliberateness to how often he had hit the mark. Oh yeah? Naruto said, falling into step on Sai's other side. Where did you take the exam then? It wouldn't have been in Konoha, right? Since that only happens every three years. Naruto looked pleased with himself for having remembered that, which he probably only knew because Idate had made a big deal out of it. But whatever worked. It was not, Sai said placidly. This was going to be fun. I could tell. So where was it? Naruto persisted. We spent much of the trip that way, pressing Sai for information and occasionally throwing out small, unimportant tidbits about ourselves so that it didn't seem like a total interrogation. Or, at least I did. I was pretty sure Naruto considered the whole thing a successful conversation. It wasn't that I didn't like Sai, or that I didn't want to help him, or didn't think he deserved helping. That wasn't the case. If I could, I would have gladly welcomed him into Team 7 and had him at our backs. But I knew that he worked for Danzo, and that made him dangerous to us. Until I could work out what he wanted and why he was here, I couldn't trust him. Do we want to set up camp here? I asked, as the sun was starting to sink towards the horizon. I don't think there are any inns along this way. Land of Stone was an offshoot of the Land of Earth, wedged in the bordering countries between it and the Land of Wind. It had been part of Earth Country up until the last war, when Kanoha's offensive, read, the Yellow Flash, had devastated the borderline so fully that the troops had to pull back and abandon miles of ground, including all the war bases and outposts. The outposts had been reclaimed by locals made homeless by the war, and they'd managed to cobble together a series of functioning villages and governance before Hidden Rock had thought to do anything about the place after the war ended. Whether it was its own country or a vassal state of Land of Earth depended entirely on who you talked to. The daimyo of Earth Country claimed it as theirs, but everyone else tended to accept it as a tiny, unimportant country of its own. The fastest way to get there, by rights, would have been to head northwest from Konoha and cut through Land of Rivers and Land of Wind. Of course, that ignored terrain issues, the fact that river country was basically one giant mountain range, and the fact that the desert of the Land of Wind was dangerous at the best of times. So instead, we were going to head to the northwest corner of the Land of Fire, cut through river country there, and then head west. It was a trip that would take us three and a half maybe four days, depending on how hard we pushed. Yeah, Naruto agreed. Let's find a place to camp out. Man, I feel like I haven't seen a real bed in weeks. He probably hadn't, depending on how they'd slept on the last mission. We found a flat clearing with cover that we agreed upon, even if it took a bit of poking to get Sai to deem it acceptable. It wasn't so much that he didn't like the place, it was just that it didn't seem to recognize he needed to contribute an opinion after the team leader had made a decision. What, you don't like it or something? Naruto asked, piling wood together to make a fire. We got cover, exits, and there's a little river down that way a bit. Sai blinked. I don't feel anything about it one way or the other. Emotions are a hindrance to a ninja. Naruto scoffed and crossed his arms. That's a load of crap. 
How can you act if you don't feel anything at all? I follow orders, Sai smiled. I looked carefully at him. This was... Okay, this was a lot deeper than I thought we were going to get so fast. Maybe not into why he was here, but the issues of Sai himself? I sat down next to him, carefully casual. You don't feel anything at all, Sai? No, he said. Why would I? I hummed and tipped my head back to look at the sky through the trees. Now, how did I handle this? Sometimes, I started, it's easier to be like that. Emotions can be a hindrance to a ninja, but they can also be really beneficial. They might stop you from completing a mission, but they might also give you an extra reason why you should complete a mission, even if it seemed like it was beyond your capabilities. What she said, Naruto agreed. There have been a lot of times when I've been scared, but so what? My friends needed me, so it didn't matter that I was scared. The bonds I have with them, the need to defend my precious people, that was what made me really strong. Are you implying that I'm scared? I'm not, Sai objected, quietly, calmly. I just don't feel anything at all. Not the right track to take, then. I reconsidered. There was something almost fragile about him, which I hadn't expected to see, not when I thought of him as being so dangerous to me. But to bring this up so quickly, to reach out so fast to people he didn't know or trust himself? Either Sai was playing us so well, or this was something that was so often at the top of his thoughts. Have you ever been hit with a flashbang, I asked, keeping my tone a little detached so it didn't sound like a threat. You know, afterwards... After all the light and sound has faded, you still can't see or hear because you were so overwhelmed with it. It can take a little while for it to come back. Emotions can be like that too. Sai tilted his head. That would assume I once suffered enough emotion to render me blind, he said. Did you? I asked, still calm, still detached. It was an offer, not a push. His eyes drifted towards his bag, but he said nothing more. Naruto was watching us, arms still crossed, still scowling, but his eyes were trained on my face, and when I flicked my eyes towards the direction of the river, he nodded. I'm gonna go catch some fish to eat, okay? You guys get the campsite ready. He disappeared into the trees before pausing to holler. And make the fire! Maybe I should have left side to him. He was better at getting through to people, even if it normally involved shouting and punching, but... I didn't really want to leave the two of them alone together. Sai stood briskly and started getting things ready. I knelt down to fix the fire that Naruto had halfway readied and used a lighter to catch the kindling alight. It's okay, you know, I said quietly. Whatever you feel or don't feel, it's even okay if you don't know. How could one not know? Sai asked blandly. That doesn't make any sense. I gave him a small smile. Feelings aren't always simple, I said, especially the big ones. See, for the two of us, right now? I could show you a stick just fine, I held one up for demonstration, or even a tree. But how could I show you the forest, or the land of fire? We're inside them. Maybe if we got distance, we would be able to, but right now, it's impossible. Sai gave a bright, fake smile. You really like to use metaphors, don't you? 
I laughed and dropped the stick into the fire. I guess I do, I said.